Hi, I'm your host, Susan Nay. Welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out. It's a series designed to help you demystify HR and the human resource processes. We're going to talk about people management and get the goods on and see how all this stuff works. You're going to hear from everyday heroes and get their perspectives as we touch on a wide variety of topics, topics that impact us in our work and in our work environments. You'll find nuggets for your treasure chest of learning. Hopefully you'll discover insights for your personal and your professional growth. I'm glad you're here. I suspect it's because you want to be the very best version of yourself, your personal best, and that you get understanding these systems and processes will help you on your journey, on your path. You ready to dare to soar? Want to join me at flight school? Let's do this. Thanks for joining me today. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out, Demystifying HR and People Management. I'm your host, Susan Nay. Today, I want to extend a very warm welcome to Stuart McNish. Stuart's the host of Conversations That Matter. He's the president of Oh Boy Productions and On Message Media. And for those of you who recognized his voice from a few years back, yes. He is also the award-winning TV reporter for BCTV NewsHour for almost a decade. Uh, that was in the late 80s and the 90s, if I remember correctly. That is correct. A career to be very proud of. So thank you, Stuart, for saying yes to allowing me to interview you today. Oh, it's my pleasure. You gave me the opportunity to interview you not too long ago. And we're going to talk about that a little <laughs> bit later. So we both graduated from high school. I'm going to jump right in. Mm -hmm. About the same time. No, at exactly the same time. Okay, Come on, okay. be honest. I'm, trying to, I'm yeah. trying to be kind. <laughs> And so I, I took a look at your LinkedIn profile and you did your training in broadcast journalism just before you began with BCTV. Correct. Did you always know that you wanted to get into to doing that kind of work? You have a phenomenal voice, so it didn't surprise me at all. Well, it wasn't anything to do with my voice. I wanted to be a storyteller. Oh. And so ever since I was a kid, I can remember the moment when I was about 12 years of age and I determined I wanted to get into television. I announced it to my mother, who was uh, immediately concerned. She went, <laughs> I don't think so, I don't think so. And I went, why not? And she said, well, because you gotta be really good to be able to make a living doing that. And I, and I uh, implied, well, I inferred, sorry, the, the speaker implies the listener at first. I inferred that she went, uh, and I don't think you're very good. And so it actually knocked me off my plan um, to, to get into it. But somehow, and like when I was a kid, I just had this ability uh, to write in a way that I knew worked for the ear. So mm -hmm. when most of us write, we write for what appears on the page. I knew how to write for the ear. But what sort of the next step along the, the way that like knocked me back was, our grade 11 English teacher who just destroyed anything I wrote because it wasn't about punctuation. Uh, and, and that seemed to be the only, and your punctuation sucks, this is no good. What about the content? Mm -hmm. And so bang, 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 I got knocked back a few pegs, but somehow I just knew that I wanted to be a storyteller. Uh, and so what was the best way to be able to make a storyteller, uh, to be a storyteller and get paid? Well. Uh, every day newscasts need stories. 
So that was the path that I chose. Wow, and how, yeah. how courageous actually, especially hmm. when you, because those, especially through our developmental years, those comments, those um, really setting you back, often are sufficient to keep us set back and oh, to, yeah. to not allow us to pursue our passion. So, so glad that you did. Now, <laughs> when you went to BCIT, you ended up doing the stream in journalism. Broadcast journalism. Broadcast journalism. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. Because I did notice when I looked at the BCIT website that there's quite a number of streams that you can take. Mm -hmm. And immediately after that, you began working for BCTV. And uh, you know, close? In, in the fullness of time, you'd say it was immediately after. But there was a couple other little steps along the way. You know, the, the, the great team at Equity Magazine and the, those people at CKVU gave me my early jobs. And it was, you know... How do we navigate our way through life with, through relationships? It was somebody at CKVU recommended me for a job at BCTV, and they recruited me. I didn't even apply to, to them. I got I got lucky, really lucky. And you said yes because so much of what happens to us in our career is those network opportunities, those willingness to stretch to do something differently than than perhaps you'd envisioned, and um, wow, thank heavens yeah. that you, you did all of that. Now, you not only became a news reporter, but you've now also, you create wonderful videos through Avoid Productions, and you do incredibly fulsome interviews through conversations that matter. So how did you move, and I'm gonna take us back to your, your reporting years a little bit later, but for now, what then encouraged you to move into being an entrepreneur and a, a business owner and why oh boy productions and conversations that matter well there's a couple of things I took a look at the uh, point that I was at in my career in television journalism and uh, went oh um, the path to personal growth of becoming better and better at my skill set had uh, really leveled out because I was near the top of the game locally. I don't know. I don't know about internationally. Mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't strive to do that. But so, what more could I do? Uh, I could continue to refine my writing. I could continue to develop my delivery. Be a better interviewer. <laughs> There's still only so far that you can mm -hmm, go with mm -hmm, those things. Mm -hmm. And I looked at a couple of people that I respected and went. I mean, you've been in this business for a long time, and you're doing, in essence, exactly the same thing I am today. That's not the growth trajectory that I want to be on. And it's, it's personal, isn't it? Just well, sure, because the other part it. of it was I wanted to have at least the illusion of some kind of modicum of control over my own destiny. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of being an entrepreneur, I went, that will give me the opportunity to be more in control of you know, what's my next assignment? Where am I going to go next? What interests me? What can I pursue that rather than fitting into the confines of a structure of a company? And not that you blame the company. It's just that's the way companies function. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I no longer wanted to do that. And so I just decided to, you know, jump off a 10,000-foot cliff. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still falling, by the way. Okay, okay. And I got, again, I'm going to... Talk to, you, to our listeners more about <laughs> both of those businesses, but just quickly, you also, at least at some point, did training seminars. Um, Not at some point, training. I still do. You still do. Oh yeah. 
So you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you have multiple things going on yeah, and because you have to. One, you protect yourself, and two, you know, going back to the point where I go, okay, I don't see the kind of personal uh, growth as an individual and skill set within the job that I was in. This keeps me like on the outer edges of my abilities yeah. every single day. Yeah. Well, when you're teaching, you need to keep absolutely current on what you're teaching about. And so if anyone wants to connect with you about the teaching component, I'll make sure that your contact information is on the, the show notes page. Sure. Um, I haven't seen that in anything that in my I, research. I, we don't you. advertise it uh, okay. at all uh, because it developed kind of all on its own. And it's literally been all word of mouth for the last 23, 24 years. And I still do courses. I got clients. I get new clients who come to me. All word of mouth. Don't advertise it at all. Okay. Well, word of mouth for our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it because really what you're paying it forward. You're helping people with the expertise that you've developed over all the years of your career. And so it's not just the textbook. Here's X, Y, and Z. It's you know what's worked and you know what's been effective and you can help people and they're being able to put their own nuances on who they are as as unique individuals looking to head into the same kind of career directions yeah, okay you know paying it forward when i think about doing media training I, I don't actually think about it paying it forward i love doing it so much because i'm so fascinated by the concepts of communication and the you know the structure of rhetoric and uh, message development and and the process that you go through that you know somebody pays me to do this wow uh -huh, it's incredible yeah so I, can, I don't I, know about paying it for it. No, well, like, and i can i can the passion for what you do is palpable so mm -hmm. it's it's lovely now i'm also curious before we get into the big stuff about the secret science cafe um, on your LinkedIn profile, Michael Manier of the Pacific Salmon Foundation right. mentioned it in one of your testimonials. Right. What's that all about? Secret Science Cafe? Yeah. It was an idea that I had that came along before Conversations That Matter. Uh, and really, okay, so if I take a look at um, Oh Boy Productions, if I look at Conversations That Matter, if I look at so many things that I've done, it's about me exploring my own, you know, letting my curiosity take me wherever uh, I want to let it go. Uh, it's about having control over, you know, what I do and don't learn. But I also wanted to be able to have access to people who had real information, not mm. not the junk that we consume on uh, nightly news or through newspapers, and especially, you know, so, so infrequently online you find something that actually has real information from somebody who knows what they're talking about. And so I started thinking, huh, you know, how do I go about getting access to those people, you know, this is my own self-interest, and get them to come out and talk? I know what I'll do is I'll get a group of sort of like-minded people together, and we'll have a, a lunch every now and then. So a friend of mine, I contacted her, uh, worked out a deal with her on her restaurant on one, you know, lunch uh, per month or something like that. We'd have 25, 30 of us that show up, yeah. and I'd bring in a speaker, you know. Uh, and so, like, there's a guy, Keish Wasson, who had been, you know, at the School of Pharmacy at UBC, and he came up with a way of delivering a medication that had always been by syringe, and you couldn't take it orally, so therefore the cost was through the roof. Mm -hmm. And this was to address 
um, a disease called leishmaniasis, which comes about from like little sand flies in countries with uh, poor sanitation systems. It can be deadly. But the, and the, but the cost of the drug and the delivery of it was so high mm -hmm. that you couldn't deliver this medication there. He came up with a way of saying, well, here's what we can do to make it an oral, drove the cost down and therefore is distributing an extraordinary benefit to people who otherwise wouldn't have access to that medicine. We don't hear those stories. We don't meet those people. Yeah. You know, it's not what is clickbait. It's not the kind of stuff that you headline the mm -hmm. nightly news with. And yet, man, is it ever fascinating. So I wanted to have access to those people. So this was before I had Conversations That Matter. And so it was kind of a precursor to what ultimately became Conversations That Matter. And wow, I know in listening to some of the episodes on Conversations That Matter, you are touching on topics and interviewing people that are absolutely fascinating and on subjects that I don't know that I would even even have recognized a curiosity until I listened and went, wow, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So a good, a good segue actually to talking mm -hmm. a little bit more about conversations that matter. Now, it looks like you began that in August of 2014. So That's right, seven years for, ago. Yep. Yeah, seven years. And it's a weekly news series. Mm -hmm. So about on a weekly basis. No, you, no, exactly on a weekly basis. Exactly. One a week. Okay, <laughs> okay whoa. Um, <laughs> and you dig into issues that really matter to Canadians. And as we just talked about, sometimes we don't even know that they matter until uh, they're in front of us. And... Mm -hmm. and um, you're asking some very pertinent questions at, uh, at, at, at absolutely the right time. They seem to fall into a lot of the science, technology, environment categories primarily, and, and maybe that, uh, mm, that medicine, makes Medicine, life sense. sciences, indigenous rights, uh, yeah. land claims, uh, you know, the environment, and on and on and on. Yeah, there, yeah. there's quite, quite a spectrum. I know, mm -hmm. um, I'll just give some examples for our listeners. Um, the One Billion Plastic Bottles with uh, David Katz. Right, yeah. Uh, Understanding Transgender with uh, Lisa Salazar. Right. Life After Retirement with Vancouver Police Chief Jim Chu. Uh, ensuring Indigenous Kids Graduate with Sydney Katz. Right. Uh, the Link Between Social Media and Food. That was <laughs> interesting with Sylvain. Right. Sylvain, Charlebois. Charlebois, yeah. And today, Every Child Matters, The Lonely Death of Cheney Winjack. Winjack with hmm. Michael Downey. Who's so, Gord Downey Jr., or Gord Downey of, um, oh, what's the name of the band now? All of a sudden, I forgot. Gord Downey, who passed away a couple of years ago. Right. Um, wow. I want to say Spirit of the West, but that's not it. And I'm not uh, coming up with it immediately yeah, either, so. Well. <laughs> Yeah. But huge, huge topics, really important topics, and truly conversations that matter. To me. Well, Recognize that there's an editorial board of one on that show. Yeah. Me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and we talked about that, actually, when I came, and I was very, very blessed to be one of your interviewees not that, um, not that long ago. It was really obvious you'd put a huge amount of time in preparing mm -hmm. for that that interview, and yeah. I'm certain that you do that for each of your interviews. Uh, you had read my book. Um, you thought about the direction that the time that we spent together would take. Um, I was quite impressed. Hmm. Well, thank you. Do you do all this research yourself? Or yes. So it's, it's not something that you delegate to a member of your no. team? No. So 
that must take huge time. That or you are a prolific reader and, and can instantaneously put that into a... Okay, so there's a couple of things that come into play. You know, I, in the course of my career, I've done more than 35,000 interviews. Wow. I've learned extraordinary amounts of things. I'll give you a perfect example. I'm interviewing a client. This isn't even uh, a conversation of the matter last week. And they're talking about creating, uh, you know, a smart campus, an interconnected campus. Mm -hmm. And this guy, I said, well, what do you do? And he says, well, I'm in, you know, building maintenance and so on. I went, oh, you're in asset management. And he, and he goes, huh, you know this term? And I go, absolutely. And, uh, and I said, so, okay, so how is an interconnected smart campus going to help you better uh, manage uh, assets uh, and extend the life of that and reduce the likelihood of breakdowns? And, you know, yeah, and then what yeah. are the benefits of all of this? It comes to me in an instant, not because, like, I did all this study, but because I've done probably 50 interviews about asset management for a different client. Yeah. And so things come together. So yeah. I start to go, okay, like in your case, we talked about leadership. Yeah. And I, you know, my even my intro there, I'm going, leadership, oh my gosh. Like, there's one book after another, one theory after another. I've read a bunch of them. I talk to people about it you <laughs> so beautifully come out and say trust your gut and i think that probably more than anything like your perspective on this is the one that's the closest to reality for anybody who takes on a leadership position because the dynamics of all leadership are so vast and they become you know like relevant to that moment who's the people what's the organization what are the exigent circumstances that influence what you're going to do next mm -hmm. so uh, so yeah i do research like i'm reading a book from an italian journalist who's in defense of meat i just finished reading a book uh, uh, from a guy that i interviewed out of the states the other day called the raging 2020s and he looks at you know and he starts to talk about the dynamics of the milton friedman school of economics mm -hmm. and how that set up this chain of events that led to multinational corporations that are beyond the power of the national governments and and so but how do I accelerate forward? I've, I've had the luxury of doing all kinds of other interviews that I can draw from mm -hmm, in my mm -hmm. mind. Yeah. So this is why somebody else can't do the research for me. Yeah, yeah. I have to do it because it then becomes relative or relevant to something that I, you know, know, understand, have had talks about before yeah. or think about. So, yeah. you know, my research is a combination of actually reading things, drawing on past experience, mm -hmm. talking to other people, and then letting my imagination go wild. My fingers race across the keyboard and I write an intro and away we go. Cool. <laughs> yeah. That's all. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And you make your interview interviewee feel so comfortable. It just flows so easily because I know I was anxious <laughs> when you interviewed me and it was it was quite a delight. So... Okay, but that's partly my philosophy at work, too, because I realized this early on, that the best way that I'm going to get a good interview is if I can help you become so absorbed in our conversation that you forget about the yeah. environment and the technology. So it's incumbent upon me as the interviewer to make you feel as though, you know, I'm hanging on your every word. And the beauty of it is I actually do. Like, I actually and listen. I know, I know you do. And I'm, <laughs> I'm realizing that maybe when I've done 35,000 of these, I will have the same signs of skill and <laughs> smoothness. So um, it does take practice. 
you know, I think that's a really good point to make is that this stuff comes the, the building of a muscle. It, uh, you know, I'm sure that when you, improvement. When you yeah. did your first few interviews when you were with BCTV, I'm sure you look back and go, oh my. You know? <laughs> I have to tell you, the very first uh, on-camera interview I ever did was with Shaw Cable Community Channel in North Vancouver, mm -hmm. and I was so nervous at the end of it, I signed off by saying, I'm Stuart McKnight, good niche. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's important to share those yeah. those errors, those the things that we grow from, because I think it does give other people um, a little more confidence. And it's okay to make mistakes, and it's okay to laugh at ourselves. Um, and if if Stuart can do that, then <laughs> oh my goodness, I, I I shouldn't beat myself up too badly. If, do not beat yourself if, up if I yeah. uh, struggle over words as well. Any interviews? It sounds like every single one of the ones that you've done has been of equal passion to you as the next one. But any that that really come to mind as just wows for you? Mm, yes and no. I mean, but for me to say that there's a couple hundred that are like that, okay. or maybe a thousand. Okay. I don't know. Um, you know, what are the issues that matter to me the most? The issues that matter to me the most is that we uh, collectively try to get as close to the truth as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. I recognize that a very difficult thing to do. Um, but that we go about making decisions that will help uh, each of us realize our potential and not harm one another. Um, I'm like I, I'm always dismayed by uh, you know the level of frustration, anger, and hatred in the world, and I don't want that. I, I want to live in a world where I, I look at you and I go, you know, Susan, I want you to be the absolute best you can be, and anything I can do to help you get there, yeah, I want you to succeed. I'm not going to be jealous of your success. Nothing. I want you to succeed because if I'm really honest about it. You know, when you succeed, our society is better. When our society is better, then I live in a better world. You know, Aristotle said that it's the responsibility of a fully functioning human being to realize their full potential because failure to do so is a loss to all of society. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is, you know, in many ways at the root of my thinking. I want other people to do well because that's the world I want to live in. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, my motto is dare to soar, and I believe that we can. Yeah. And finding the hidden potential in people and really doing everything we possibly can to encourage that out of ourselves and, and each other. Sometimes it's just a nice little word, like, hey, how are you? Or nicely done. Instead of like, what the, were you thinking, you idiot? You more Like, I mean, we hear too much of the negative. We do. And I try to stay away from that mm -hmm. in any of my discourse with with people, even like, you know, you're driving down the road. I don't want to yell at another driver. I go, okay, my responsibility mm -hmm. is to navigate my way through this. I don't always succeed. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and really when we get angry at somebody and, you know, somebody butts into the lane in front of us, you don't know what's going on in their life, you know, know. And, and to just take a whole change of attitude about about just assuming <laughs> right. that, that something's, something's more important. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. Wow, Who, who's that impacting when we calm ourselves, right? So yeah, I love the world right. that you are working to mm -hmm. to help build. 
I know that when I was talking to you, uh, when, when you interviewed me, um, you do have a lot of people contacting you, wanting mm -hmm. to be interviewed. How do you, how do you handle those, those requests? Well, it depends. Like if it's something that I'm interested in, I go, okay. So there's a guy that had been a guest uh, a couple of months ago. Um, he was a guest because somebody I know who's in the public relations business was yeah, pitching his book. And I said, well, send me the book. And I read the book and I went, okay, this is interesting. And, I, and so I liked it. And, you know, for him, he was learning how to navigate the world as a human being and coming to realize, just as you were saying right now, about, you know, somebody cuts in, this sort of thing is going on, or somebody has a particular point of view. Well, what's the context of that? situation mm -hmm. he, he came he's come to believe that context is everything had a great conversation with him was very well received so he wrote to me the other day and said you know i have a guy that i know that might be a good guest and this is a guy who it's not really a guy it's a couple they have adopted in the course of their lifetime 32 children from around the world wow. and raised them here in canada and you know, he's saying, you know, here's a guy who understands the realities of international adoption, mm -hmm. might be an interesting guest. Okay. I don't immediately just jump out and go, okay. Because I have to keep thinking, okay, well, hey, how does it matter to me? Because that has to be something that, it has to be something that I can relate to. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't thought a whole lot about adoption other than the fact that I marvel at the people who can do it. Mm -hmm. They give of themselves for for a child that needs yeah. needs care, they need to be nurtured, they need to be wow. given the opportunity to realize their full potential. Mm -hmm. um, and so I went, well, let's have a conversation, let's have a talk. Uh, other people, it's I get to read their book. Sometimes I just get an idea, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and then I go in, in pursuit of, of something. Like I was looking at this whole issue around clean drinking water uh, boil water advisories on First Nations and to mm -hmm. go, okay, well, where exactly is the truth on this? Because there are all kinds of federal programs addressing uh, boil water advisories. And I haven't reached out to this guy yet because it was just a couple of days ago. But then I go, oh, okay, you can have a, a First Nations community that's five families, but they don't qualify for any federal infrastructure programs. Mm -hmm. But there's a guy at UBC who's figured out a way of creating water purification systems that are about the size of two refrigerators, can service a uh, water supply wow. for four or five families. $7,000 or something wow. like this. And what's even more fascinating, here's a guy who probably came to Canada within the last 20 years from a country that, you know, is, we're the lucky benefactors of them mm -hmm. <laughs> having whatever trouble they had in their country these smart, bright people go, well, yeah. I'm not staying there because my life's in peril. They come here, and in Canada, we benefit from Absolutely. them. And here he is. He's, he's starting to deliver a solution. I want to have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to reach out to him and go, okay. Um, so, yeah. you know, how do okay. I no, wind I up arriving at a, at a guest? With you, I saw you post something online and went, huh, I like that topic. And... I remembered you from when we were young, and I always thought you were exceptional. Oh, you're Maybe wonderful. there's something that I that can work for you know me helping to you know, give a bit of extra publicity to your book because I want you to be a success. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Hey, um, wow. Okay, and so if anyone's got some 
novel ideas that they think Stuart might consider? Um, again, your information will be on the well, show Well, I, I try to way, stay away from something that is just the news. Like, I don't want to follow headlines. I want to follow trend lines. I want to dig into issues that are going to have, you know, relevance three, four, five years from now if you yeah. watch them. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. So a good, uh, good extra, extra just think about before yeah. reaching out. Right. You do think you meet those criteria. Tell us a little bit about your production team. I'm in this incredibly beautiful uh, brick building on Beattie Street in right. Vancouver, um, right. where we're, we're talking. And you've got quite a team of people here. We're in your studio right now. Mm -hmm. um, I know through the pandemic you worked very hard to keep your team working, um, even though it was difficult. It's been difficult for a lot of entrepreneurs and, well, small and large companies. Um, I met I met Derek because he he put the microphone on me. Who else? Well, that was Derek team? Wong. So okay. we have two Derek's. Okay, <laughs> there is one of them then. Anyways. Well, okay. So let's talk a little bit about my team and your book, leadership. So, <laughs> what's what's interesting is, uh, you know, going back, I don't know how many years ago it was at a high school reunion that you may or may not have been at, but Ronine Bowles was there. Yeah, and she told Ronine. me about a really interesting book. I read that book and I went, oh my gosh. So it led me to make a decision that I wanted to see whether or not I could find somebody who was like uh, an innovative, energetic person at the beginning of their career coming out of the same institution that I went to, BCIT. Mm -hmm. I reached out to one of the instructors that I knew there who had gone there since uh, because I interacted with him during our working life and he goes, Derek Hader's the guy. Okay. Derek has now been with me, I don't know, about 16 years. Wow. Um, and I cannot imagine Oh Boy Productions without Derek Hader. Uh, the studio that you're sitting in right now, he designed. Uh, the So many of the things that we've done. Derek, without Derek, it wouldn't have happened. Like when I had the idea for doing Conversations That Matter, he says, yeah, that's a good idea because it'll help you know raise our profile a little bit. Little did he or I know that it would lead to our ongoing success in ways that weren't directly to, uh, related to conversations that matter, but it forced us to do other things, mm -hmm. to bring in different elements. And um, and so, you know, Derek Wong went to school at BCIT with Derek Hader. At a point when Derek Wong's <laughs> career is changing, he comes to join us coming out of, uh, out of broadcasting. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I have Simone. Uh, Simone is from Milano, Italy. Um, we met him because we had a, a gig. And I went, oh, that was pretty good. He went away uh, because the gig was up. A year later, we had the same gig. And uh, and it was like, well, we have more work. Can you do this? And it kept adding. And then along came the pandemic uh, last year. And I said to Simone, I said, I have no idea what's gonna happen in our business, but I'm putting you on the payroll now. And he's like, what? Why? And I said, I don't know. Somehow I think it'll provide you with some sort of protection. And uh, just in case everything goes mm -hmm. 
screwy. Yeah. Well, it did go screwy, but not in a negative way for us. It, like it took off because of conversations that matter. And the technology that Derek had us bring in at different points along the way mm. put us at the perfect sort of intersection between need and supply mm -hmm. in the delivery of virtual events. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. become a whole new division of our business. It wouldn't have happened without Derek. Yeah. It doesn't continue to happen without Derek and his direction. And it wouldn't have happened at all without Simone and his absolute brilliance at solving any kind of technical challenge that you can imagine. And so the combination of things came together because of people. And so, and then it was like, okay, we're pretty darn busy. Amy uh, uh, applied for a job that we posted a, li a little over a year ago, fresh out of school. She was full of gusto and all kinds of like, oomph. so in the HR world, we're doing an online interview with her from this room right here. And at the end of the interview, she goes, you know, just before we go, I got a question to ask you. And I go, okay. She said, so you had a little bit of a chance to get to know me, right? Um, are you concerned about my ability to be able to fill this position? And I went, in my mind, you're hired right there. Uh -huh. wow. And it was a gut thing. Yep. We didn't actually give her the job right in that moment. Mm -hmm. We got off the call, I'm going, we're hiring her. Yeah. Derek's like, whoa, 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 you know, let's get through the process. But she's been with us for a year now. Samaya just joined us a month ago. Same kind of thing. You know, I look at like the, the, the history of her life, which brought her to Canada, education in the East, comes to Vancouver, answers an ad, and what a, what a brilliant young woman. Arnold Cheng, who you don't know, but Arnold, I, I was talking to a woman who does all kinds of work um, helping people with disabilities get mm -hmm. jobs. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I was trying to get her to be a guest on Conversations That Matter. And, and when I finished having this conversation with her about her, I said, look it, you know, I kind of got this gig that's gonna be over four or five weeks. You got anybody kind of within your portfolio yeah, that could yeah. do a video editing? Arnold shows up here about an hour later in his wheelchair. I'm like, I like this guy. And I go, okay, Arnold, the only thing that I have a concern about is you know, we're in kind of a funky old building. Mm -hmm. uh, I gotta make sure that you can get into the washroom. I'm like, how many times do you have a, you know, an interview like that? And he goes, well, let me go try. So he goes into the, he go. goes into the washroom to make sure that he can get in there in yeah. his chair and get off the chair and get onto the toilet. Comes back out, yep, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what has Arnold done? He's opened us up to understanding all kinds of things that you don't, you don't see through your own eyes. Yeah. You know, and 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 so and then Lirio, whom you haven't met, but Lirio has been with me also for about fifteen years, and she manages like bookkeeping and you know all those other kinds of things that yep. I can't stand doing myself. <laughs> and she's brilliant because she makes sure that I, that we don't get into trouble. Yeah. Uh, she stays on top of things, and so you know I got this mix of people, and then there's a guy Mark Power who worked for us for a couple of years full-time here, but then went back to Ireland. Well, he still works with us remotely online. Yeah. Like, Mark, I got this job I need to do. I got that one to do. He does brilliant work in producing videos, and so he's out there too. And so, I don't You're know. You're growing? Like, what? You're growing by leaps and bounds, it sounds. Yeah, I think, but like we're meeting, you know, our needs. Uh, 
because we're like we reach a point where we're starting to go okay we're burning out we need help yeah and that's yeah. what motivates you to say okay we got to bring in the next and that's person leadership what that's, and that's leadership you know all of all of what you've just shared your, mm -hmm. your willingness to take a chance on somebody um, your your love of the vulnerability of, of Vini asking the question well, and the things that I learned myself you know the other day I was wanting to share a piece uh, that was written by Pablo Casals, the great Spanish cellist, a number of years ago. And so Maya had just joined us. And me, I'm kind of, a, as you can tell, I'm somewhat magnanimous and want to say, come, you want to come in like this. And it wouldn't be unusual for me to reach around and touch her shoulder and say, you know, take a look at this. Like, don't be afraid to come in closer. I reach around to go uh, touch Somaya. And I, and I sense this little, like, uh, and I, pulled away, I'm hopefully in time, and and I thought, maybe I've done something wrong, because she comes from a different uh, cultural background. And we have to be so careful. So I go that. look it up, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, oh my gosh, I was about to do something that is absolutely, you don't do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, now I know this, I apologize to her, I make sure that other people understand, mm -hmm. because it's important. I mean, we're, you know, the great thing about the, the world that we live in here in Canada and what we understand about each other as human beings is we're just different manifestations of the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, but let's be respectful of one another. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you go, and, oh, and, I, didn't, I didn't know. Yeah, Whoops. And, and you know, things have <laughs> yeah. changed. I, I'm a hugger and I have to be very careful. Oh yeah, well, I think that hugging <laughs> may probably be out of the equation for virtually everybody these days yeah. for, a, for a bunch of reasons. Pandemic and misreading the intention of the hug. Yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. so then you just make those adjustments. So let me just... Okay, <laughs> I know, I'm taking you off on gather, tangents, right? No, that's yeah. fine, because it's, it's, um, it's, it's all relevant, actually. Uh, now I'm now I'm going to be careful about whether I'm using the words as that they should be on the paper as opposed to spoken. But <laughs> I'm going to gather your team together, and I'm assuming that this is the team that you also use when you're doing your oh boy productions work. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do? I think you work with corporate, and do you create videos from what I could see? Um, that's another business that you've got, and, and I'm well, that, seeing that's initially what we started with, and I still continue to do that. But the team is broken out in different ways. We're doing so much live virtual event work right now um, that Amy does almost exclusively that, except for like anybody, you sort of go, I need a little break. Amy comes out on time to, with shoots or will edit videos for, for clients. Okay. So Maya, we brought her in because we want her to work in the virtual, live virtual event space, but we also want her to know how to add it. And so, mm -hmm. okay, you're doing that. Derek is running the live virtual event space because, well, you know, it's he's brilliant at it, and uh, and somebody needs to be running that. I don't want to be running that. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, but you look at the gear in here. It's all designed so that we can have multiple people mm -hmm. on camera, like produce a live virtual event that looks like a television show that's got all those elements to it that really make it stand apart. So, and Simone made sure that all that technology and the systems work and everything like that. But Simone is going, okay, I can, you know, I only do so much of that. Mm -hmm. I like, and he loves video production. And so 
he he's now come he's he's in between worlds right now as uh, Somaya and Amy continue to improve their skills in, in taking over a good portion of that and he's coming into the uh, video production side of me helping work with clients but also working with me on conversations that matter um, and because so many of the interviews that I'm doing are uh, online mm -hmm. with somebody who's halfway around the world we're using the same control room that we're using for live virtual mm -hmm. events. Mm -hmm. So Samaya or Amy or Simone mm -hmm. or Derek Hay or Derek Wong uh, can do all of that. But Derek mm -hmm. Wong has a different kind of role in here. We have a second studio where uh, Rick Dollywall and Don Taylor and Ryan Henderson are all part of a daily sports talk show that airs on Czech TV mm -hmm. running out of our other studio. Well, Derek Wong is the producer back there like he's and you should watch him he's brilliant like these images on the screen are switching around back and forth all over the place the level of concentration that he has to put into doing that but yeah. it's a half day yeah well you know he, he needs full-time employment and mm -hmm. we need work in other uh situations so we need to be setting up studio we're redoing lighting grids we're rebuilding this that and the next thing well derek's actively involved in all of that because it kind of fits in with his experience and so there's a mixing back and forth suddenly i got a problem well we want to do this and like yesterday's a perfect example we had a live event but before that, we've been developing a program with Carol Taylor called BC Legends with Carol Taylor. And we had Bruce Allen coming in for an interview with her. Um, Derek <laughs> Hader in his, uh, he like, when it comes to tense situations, Derek Hader deals with them um, with, uh, with equanimity. <laughs> you, know, you can just do this. Oh, yeah, right, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> like, like, he never is in a flap. And it's like, okay. <laughs> so, that, like, there's a dynamic interplay of what people do. And, and I love that because, you know, this podcast is about your career. Mm -hmm. But it's also giving a really good sense of should, should, should you choose to get involved in a career like this, of, of how your skills can be used and the excitement. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, my recommendation would be don't do it. Oh, now that's a big statement. I know. Okay, I sorry, I'm sorry, I've got to go deeper. It's hard. Well, and, and, <laughs> and I'm just going to, because I was going to ask you about, you've just come back from a cross-nation yeah. tour, and you were sharing with me before we started recording that you had a number of different um, work commitments to attend to from Vancouver all the way to Newfoundland. St. John's, Newfoundland. Yeah. And you pronounced it correctly. <laughs> I learned that too. Oh, good. <laughs> and you've just literally come back. Does your, like, that's got to be exhausting. Now, you mm -hmm. insisted that, that even though we're the same um, age. seasoned age, <laughs> <laughs> that, that you still have the vim, vim and vigor that you had many years earlier. It's got to be exhausting when you're doing that kind of traveling. You drove across Canada. Did you drive back too? Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Do you take a team with you when you do that? And yes, I can see that this is very, very hard work. That's not the hard part. The hard part is uh, the level of commitment that you have to uh, put into making a small business, uh, especially one that's in a niche market, survive. 
for years and years and years and years and years. Um, it takes its toll, takes its toll on friendships, which start to evaporate pretty quickly. And so do relationships because, mm. you know, when you're in a relationship, <laughs> the person you're in a relationship wants you to make them your primary focus. Mm -hmm. um, doing something like this, they wind pretty up, tough. they pay a big price for mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't always handle it right. And, mm -hmm. and so, there's financial considerations, there's insecurities, there's exhaustion, there's like, like I remember I flew back from the UK. I'd been there, uh, I'd been in the Middle East, went to the UK, got sick, uh, flew like, like sick from London to Vancouver on the plane, went to the hospital and went, I'm like, I'm in trouble. Mm -hmm. You're dehydrated, you know, like you've had the flu, the, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. Take this like saline, like they rehydrated me. Yeah. They said, go home and, and go to sleep. Okay, I, I <laughs> left the hospital and came back to work. Um, now that's not good leadership. <laughs> no, I had an operation. <laughs> you know, I go there, uh, they go, you gotta take seven days off. Okay, um, and I walked back to the office and went back to work. Oh dear. <laughs> you know, because you don't have time. And so mm. you make all these, and most people, um, it's, it's too much. And you know, I, I think that we're certainly seeing that burnout across a number of sectors right now. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're explaining your own situation. Um, well, my my I, my, you know, you know, I talked about earlier about in my previous career, I felt like I worried that I would stagnate. In this one, there's no such thing. Yeah. Uh, the learning curve is straight up every single day. Uh, and that's the absolute magic of it all. But the stress to get to this mm -hmm. point for so many years of going, I think in three weeks from now I'm out of business because I don't think I have any more clients after this. That's a challenge. You get tired of it. Yep, yep. You know? yep. And now I think I can say, I think I got six months leeway here. Mm -hmm. And that is such a remarkable luxury and cushion. The benefit of it is that I'm doing better work. Yeah. Uh, but then so those are that choices. brings even more work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so those are choices. I mean, you right. could have stayed with BCTV. And Maybe, yeah. You know, you age out, you time out in, yeah, in and, that kind of profession. And and not had some of the excitement right. that you've been able to in pursuing what you have. But you'd certainly have more potential stability. And I and have more control over my destiny. <laughs> I have more control over yeah. my destiny. I don't have to worry about somebody hiring me because I'm not... You know, I get people now who go, you know, I like your voice, I like the way you write, you, you know, you're good on camera and like that. You're the wrong demographic now. Fine. That too. Yeah. No problem. It doesn't mean I'm out of a job. It just means, okay, you know, if I do it, you get it as part of the package. You want somebody else? Well, it's just an extra cost. But yeah. when I'm only a talent or something like that, then I don't have the same kind of control mm -hmm. over my own destiny. Mm -hmm. And I, I really, I keep emphasizing in the podcast how critical it is to think about those things. Yeah. Because you're an adventurer. Your curiosity, your need to continue to stretch and to learn is the core of who you are. Mm -hmm. It's not the core of somebody else, perhaps. That's right. And so that's where paying attention to, you know, what is your passion? What is what you're looking for? 
and finding that in both our careers and in the organizations that we choose to apply our skills to will make a whole happier world than what we've currently got because there's a lot of disengagement out there and it's because I don't think people have asked those questions. Mm -hmm. They've just taken the first thing that, that came, they've pursued something that someone else told them that they'd be good at and they've never really listened to themselves inside and it's just, it's so cool that you have and, and also that you're recognizing some of the challenges of that and really <laughs> appreciate your candor because rather someone hear from someone who's been there mm -hmm. and can add that to part of the variables that, that they think about than to get into it, to quit, to become an entrepreneur and go, whoa, no one ever told me about this stuff. No one will ever tell you that the first thing that you should do is get a really good accountant who makes sure that you never get in trouble with CRA. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> and I'm glad that well, I did because that. Because there's no rule book. Like, I remember a guy at CRA said, well, you knew what you were getting into when you got started. I went, I didn't know that I was going to be dealing with you. I had no sense of it because when you work for a company, somebody else looks all after all of that. Care of it. Yeah. 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 No, I've, <laughs> I've learned some of those, some of those myself. Any Quick, I'm just watching our time a little bit here. Any quick thoughts on when you were a reporter working for BCTV, you were an award winner, um, stories that, that were exhilarating. Often I, I'm frightened for the reporter with some of the, the places that they have to be to, to be reporting back to us. Any, any thoughts, uh, just in case someone's looking to go into that as a, as a career option? Well, that's a tough gig these days um, because uh, newsrooms have been gutted. Uh, if you want to make a living, especially living in a city like Vancouver, I don't know how you're going to get a job that's going to pay enough uh, to make it worth your while. And, you know, going back to what my mother said, you got to be good. Like, mm -hmm. and you got to be good in the sense that you have to have an undying curiosity to find out stuff that matters to people that will help them make better decisions. Because why else be in that business? I'm going to share information with you that's going to give you a clearer view of the world in which you live so that you can make a better or more informed decision. Mm -hmm. And you have to then be able to cut through all the chatter. You have to be able to write and present and deliver in a way that is unique to you but also stands out so that people go, Oh, I recognize your stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I, for whatever reason, had my own style and still do, I guess. But people would go, your stuff is different than someone else's because I brought my energy enthusiasm yeah. to it. It becomes reflected in my writing and the way that I present it. It wasn't the norm and it got me into all kinds of interesting challenges. But to be able to survive in that business, you got to be incredibly hungry. And you have to keep looking at the marketplace saying, okay, how do I do this in a way that allows me to find a path through all of the different financial challenges so that I come out the other end and I still have enough money to go for a beer uh, at the end of the week with colleagues? Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, it's it hard. A, it is a tough game. What about... Um heading in BC up north and starting to get some experience with some of the, the smaller stations. Is, well, they is have that... less money. Oh, that's <laughs> true too. Yeah, yeah. Like they have less money. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what the answer is. Um, but the same arguments were thrown at me when I got started. And, and so, and, you and, know. 
nice segue to my next question, which is <laughs> retirement. And I know you have absolutely no intention. I, we talked about that last time I was here. Now, you've been, you've been described as someone who thrives on the art of storytelling. We talked about that. You're able to leave your listeners on the edge of their seats, craving for more. No, no, no. I, I know I'm one of those. Um, they're incredibly powerful statements, and it's so obvious that you absolutely adore what you're doing. Do you think we'll be lucky enough to, I think you're at about episode 400 on Conversations no, that Matter? No, 368. Oh, that's, that's yeah. getting there. Yeah. Um, episode 1000? I sure hope so. Okay, good. Yeah, I don't foresee stopping. Um, now, I know that you encourage on Conversations that Matter that people contribute by becom becoming a patron. Mm -hmm. um, you did. So Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I am going to mention that to our listeners uh, because this kind of stuff, you know, getting these messages out, finding those truths that aren't necessarily available to us in, in other media opportunities um, is, is tough and it's something that you're doing. So I very much encourage people to not only listen to conversations that matter but uh, to support you through becoming, becoming a patron. And there are different levels. So you can either support a cameraman or a or yeah. camera person, or a, um, I can't remember what the other categories are, but you, there are different categories. I think I'm, mm -hmm. I'm in on the entry. When I start becoming a millionaire, then I can relook at that. <laughs> you are a millionaire. You live in Vancouver. Oh, and I'm a millionaire with just the fact that I'm here and, and, exactly. and interviewing yeah. you. Thank you. Um, is there anything that I haven't thought to ask you about that you're just burning to share before we bring the podcast to a close. I have so appreciated this time with you. Yeah, there's one other thing that I would like to share that has been uh, really interesting for me in my own development from skill set and everything like that, and that is the power of uh, uh, accumulated aggregation. And that is, rather than looking for great leaps and a quick uh, you know, path to success. Uh, if you settle in and stay committed to small marginal gains, every time you do something, just a small improvement, you <laughs> it's the only way that I've known how to get to where I am today. You know, yesterday I was riding my bike through town and I clipped my feet into pedals and whatnot and oh, okay, the lights turned red and I'm half a block away, I'll slow down and I get down to right to a crawl where I'm just virtually balancing and I'm going, I got blessed with good balance. Um, but it allowed me to move slowly. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know why, but I, I thought about it yesterday and went, you know, the only race that I've ever won in my life was in the seventh grade at sports day and it was the slowest bicycle rider. <laughs> <laughs> The person who came in last won. Uh. <laughs> and I was so far behind everybody else, I thought, yeah, that's the perfect metaphor for my life. I've been so far behind everybody else in my development, but I just never stopped. And by going slow? By going slow. You don't miss anything. Yeah. I mean, there is just so much about being in the moment, being present. And when you're rushing along at 100 miles an hour, you miss small details that right. make the big difference. So about seven or eight years ago, I decided to uh, uh, create a, an organization called the International Association of Slow People. 
<laughs> that's one I didn't read about. Well, that's because I haven't quite gotten around to making the website yet. Okay. Don't want to move too fast. <laughs> I, got a, I got a hand signal. Whoa. Uh, Slow down. <laughs> I, I just, okay. Well, stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> There's definitely more to, to come. I just can't say enough about um, my appreciation for you saying yes. Well, and I, likewise. I, it's so mm -hmm. important for people to hear what it's really like working in these, these fields. And the blessing that we have, having a few years under our belts, is that we've learned the lessons like sometimes it's better to go slow. And that incremental growth is the growth that stays with us. Uh, Becomes your just habit. Just ask, ask my waist. <laughs> exactly. It grew incrementally too. <laughs> Same with mine. And, and yeah, and to be able to look back and, and what I love is that I do think you're paying it forward. I think you're sharing and uh, finding those opportunities to share information that we might otherwise not have the opportunity to learn from is, is huge. And it is the epitome of leadership. So. Um, I thank you. Um, our listeners thank you. And, uh, it and is, I thank you. <laughs> it is time for us to, to say goodbye. Uh, for our listeners, I really hope that you have enjoyed as much as I have um, our time with, with Stuart today of Conversations That Matter and Old, Old Boy Productions and, and many, many, many things still to come. I will be back next week with another guest. And I encourage you to dare to soar. I really believe that you can, and I know Stuart shares the same sentiment. Thanks for, for listening. It's Stuart and Susan signing out. Have a great day, everybody. Well, we've reached our destination for today. Time to lower those wheels and prepare for landing. Thank you for joining me. If I said something that resonated with you, please subscribe to the podcast and to share it with others. It would be awesome if you also took the time to provide a review whatever your favorite social media sites are. If you have a question or an area that you hope I'll cover in a future session, please send me a note, either to my website, www.effectingchangefromwithin.com or to my email, susangene at gmail.com. I look forward to our next time together. In the meantime, soar high. I believe you can. Susan signing off. Thanks again for joining me.